And then by working with guys like you, we get to, it's, it's really fun because I get to look under the hood of everybody else. Like how's that, how's everybody setting up their, their race car? And I get to see like, oh, Vince does this really good. And you know, Cal does this good and so-and-so does this good. And if I were to take this piece and this piece and this piece, wow, I'd have a supercar, you know? Number one is, is for me, it was always like, okay, what don't I want to do? What don't I like to do? Let's see if I could pass on to somebody else. But on your website, it says it perfect. Start working on your business and let us work in your business. You take a new client that you talk to and if you control their journey. So like, for example, like, hey, step one, we're going to send these documents and make sure they're done. Step two, we're going to submit these documents. Step three, we're going to follow. If we can take it linear, it works perfect. So what's your rush? Yeah. What's what's the rush about building this empire that you're trying to build? What's the rush about, I don't know, getting that deal or, or making or hitting that mark? Like you're going to get there. So I set that goal and I work it backwards because I know the day-to-day ministry, if you try to control everything, that's micromanaging. I want to see that, uh, take 30 people and multiply times three tasks each a week. I mean, that's 90 steps in the right direction. Uh, very unique, uh, very different, very unique to our industry. You're probably one of the only ones that does it in our actual construction and uh, PA yep. industry. So why don't you explain uh, explain to the people about Boss Up? I, I know, I was gonna tell you with the chef thing, what I started doing, so I had at my old house, I had a chef coming in and even teaching my daughter some cooking stuff when she was homeschooling. But I ended up having somebody now, once a week, they come in and do their meal prepping for me and leave it. And yeah. that works. It's just was, much easier. She sent one, she sent an email one day where she calls me. She's like, what, you know, it was about an offer. And I'm just like, just send him this, say that it's from me and send this. Yep. And his, his response was like, uh, are you a licensed public adjuster? Are you saying that? And she's like, well, but, and then she's like, she got freaked out. What's up advocates. And welcome back to another episode of the claims game podcast. I'm your host, Vince Perry, the commercial claims advocate. We are sponsored also by my company, Elite Resolutions. We are a public adjusting firm where you can find us on EliteResolutionsClaims.com. Come to us for any of your insurance claims needs. And also, if you are an aspiring public adjuster or a public adjuster looking for a company to work for, we are licensed in all of Florida and all of Texas as well. And we'd love to have you on the team. Before that, we'll get you into Commercial Claims Advocate where you can find us on CommercialClaimsAdvocate.com, also on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on LinkedIn as well. Uh, We've got all kinds of courses that we're going to provide, that we do provide. We've got meetups. uh, We've got sponsorships available for anybody interested in coming on as a sponsor. All kinds of stuff. Go on the website, send us a message with any of your inquiries or any of your questions, and we'll be happy to help you out. Today, we've got a very special friend of mine. I consider him a friend. Haven't known him that long. Uh, but we have been to so many of these networking events and different um, these different conferences and stuff where we've actually gotten to know each other pretty well. Um, his name is Latif Faruqi. Latif is the owner of Boss Up Solutions. Very interesting service that he provides. He provides basically virtual administrative services to contractors, public adjusters, roofing contractors all over the world. And the reason why I say the world is because his office is actually located in... Guadalajara, Mexico. That's right. He's got a staff of like 20 something people. I can't remember the exact amount. Um, they are, some are licensed public adjusters. Some are level three Xactimate writers. So they will write your estimate. They will follow up with the insurance company. The licensed adjusters will settle the claim for you. If you're an entrepreneur of a contracting company or a public adjusting firm, and you're looking to really start expanding and taking away some of the roles that you should not be doing while you should be working on your business, it's basically his motto. Start working on your business and let us work in your business. 
speaking of boss up, uh, Latif is a great, great guy. Uh, you could find him. Uh, he's very prevalent on Facebook. Uh, but if you've gone to any of these uh, roofing conferences or any of these contractor conferences, chances are you've seen him there. Uh, like I said, great guy, great service he provides, very inspirational conversation that we have, not just about his company, but just about uh, mindset in general and what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation. It's really fun. Like I said, I consider him a good friend now and um, it, you'll find this very informative. So I hope you enjoy. Thank you, Latif, for coming on and you as a listener. Check it out. Claims Game Podcast. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. All right. We are here. We are here with my what I would like to consider now, good friend, Latif Farouki. How you doing, Latif? I'm good, man. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I feel like at RoofCon, you know, we had good conversation. We had a good talk. We talked about yeah. life. We talked about business. We talked about all kinds of stuff. It's nice to be able to relate, not just on a business level, but other parts too. It's always fun. I agree. I find people very interesting. You know, I like yeah. to ask. I mean, I don't like to intrude. I don't want to be that person who asks, but I, I, I like to, I like, I find people very interesting, especially people who come from different backgrounds and everybody's got a really interesting story. Most people have yeah. very interesting stories. Yeah, no, we've, we've ran into each other several times, talked in the past, and this is like the first time we're doing the podcast, which is great. Um, happy to see you doing well and growing and doing, uh, you know, making uh, strides in the industry, which is awesome. Trying, trying, trying to bring the industry together, whatever I can do on my end to bring the industry together. I think it's been too long where, at least on the public adjusting front, public adjusters are like at each other's throat. They're just like, that's my competition and I need every claim and uh, I don't want to share mm -hmm. with you any of my secrets. And I'm just like, first of all, there's no secret. Let's face it, the process is pretty much the same with the insurance claim business. Uh, maybe some people have some different unique things, but it's better in my opinion, to share those unique things with other public adjusters because it only makes the industry stronger. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think like with what we do too, because we do like, um, you know, we'll get into that, but um, we do like reverse office, like back office, office work for companies. And everyone's always like, well, do you share the way I do this? And it's like, no, we're not going to share like your private address. But, you know, there's like industry practices, like better, best practices, right? Once you learn them, why would you not share them? So if every, if every PA if every contractor was submitting everything the same way, like if we always ask, you know, that OMP thing, if everyone made that a standard, if that's just what it is, there's more leverage there, but it's like, Oh, well, I do it this way. And I do it that way. Don't tell anyone. Cause I got it to work. It's like, there's no secret. I tell people with grandma's uh, a baking recipe. I mean, you can grandma's cookies. I can give you the recipe. Doesn't mean you can make the cookies the same way I can that's add value true. in your skills, you know, very, very, very true. Uh, so to give people a little understanding of who exactly we're talking to, uh, Latif is the owner of Boss Up Solutions. And the reason why, Latif, I wanted to have you on, I do find your service uh, very unique, uh, very different, very unique to our industry. You're probably one of the only ones that does it in our actual construction and uh, PA yep. industry. So why don't you explain uh, explain to the people about Boss Up? Yeah, so Boss Up basically, I mean, what it is today is – uh, customers who are not able to scale behind their workload or they need to, they don't have enough time in the day. Our job is to help build behind them, become that foundation that could be their, their team behind them to accomplish all those daily tasks. As you know, 
you get somebody who you can hire somebody anytime and they have, they might be very good, very social and be great at certain things. And they might be very bad at like, for example, me, I'm horrible at bookkeeping. I need someone to do that for me. The advantage of hiring us is you get a team working for you. They're managed. They're consistently trained. They come to the likes of you. They see like trainings from you. They see trainings from Steve Harmon. They see trainings from um, different people. So we start learning and we're consistently learning our role within the cycle of the job. So the parts that we can help. Um, so basically boss up what it does is plugs in behind a young, ambitious entrepreneur or old, ambitious entrepreneur, um, and actually helps uh, leverage that team. So you, you push to your strengths and you utilize us to do the other parts. Um, and we fill in those gaps, everything from answering phones, marketing, writing estimates to closing out, et cetera. You know, I would think that most, your, both the majority of your clientele would be younger, uh, ambitious entrepreneurs only because I feel like the older generation might have a little bit of trouble understanding. Wait a minute. Cause you guys are in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. You could help run my business from another country. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think COVID did a number on that because COVID gave everybody the ability where everyone realized remote is possible. Now, what it also did, which is good for me, bad for the industry as far as like in general, bad for society, I guess, but was good for me was a lot of people went home and then you realize like, okay, either A, they weren't working as hard as they should because now you're actually looking at reports instead of just like, hey, how's how's your baby? How's uh, your school? Uh, two, you start realizing people that didn't leverage technology. So that was a good point where people started reaching out to us and saying, hey, you guys do this. How do you do it? How do you maintain a system? Because you've we've been remote for years. This is not, COVID was not our first calling to remote. You know, that's new for a lot of people, but it's not new at all for us. It was like, hey, this is what we do. Like, you know, we know how to do it. So we were able to plug in either to help train people's office or to help assist or take over the office part for a lot of people. I've been working with VAs from like the Philippines and, and, and India and all over the country for a long time now. And I had, there was a little bit of me that when COVID hit and everybody started to do the same thing, I was like, ah, damn, they're all catching up now. Everybody's yep. like, all of a sudden, wait, I can do this. It's like, this has been around for a long time, actually. Yeah. But then COVID is just like, oh, wait, this actually does exist and it actually works. Yeah. I mean, you know, the four hour work week that brought it to yep. light way That's back when. Did it. That's what did it for me. Now, the problem is I think that created more problems than good, in my opinion. And that's probably an unpopular opinion, but the truth is a lot of people said, oh, so I just hire someone, I hand it up. Well, it's not that simple. And that's where boss up, like our niche came into, like, instead of doing, like I could service a dentist, I could service a uh, attorney in an auto uh, body shop. Our idea was like, focus on a niche, become experts at that niche. So understand policy, understand terminology, understand the process. Um, and then by working with guys like you, we get to, it's, it's really fun because I get to look under the hood of everybody else. Like, how's that, how's everybody setting up their, their race car? And I get to see like, oh, Vince does this really good. And, you know, Cal does this good. And so-and-so does this good. And if I were to take this piece and this piece and this piece, wow, I'd have a supercar, you know? So I'm starting to look under the hood, but then not just take that. And like, some people are like, this is why people don't want to share their secrets. Well, well you know, my secret, you know, like I'm the, I'm the reason you succeeded. I love the people like that, but it's like, no, I can take that secret now and share back with Vince to be like, Vince, you're doing step A and B great, but C and D, these are some practices that I see working very well. And if we implement those, man, you're going to be in a supercar, but I'm also going back to that other guy and saying, you're doing C and D great, but I learned A and B from somebody else. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. So you're, you're helping people. Actually, it's a consultative assistant, not just somebody waiting for what to do. 
Do you use, are, are you able to use whatever CRM, let's say that I'm using or uh, whatever CRM, let's say Cal is using and like just sort of implement your people into that CRM or whatever it is yeah. that you're using? Yeah. So whatever people use, um, we get into there in the first month or two. The idea is like, cause you have a new service. We don't want to like tell you like, Oh, it's going to change your, you know, your CRM. We're going to change this. We're going to change that. I feel like we should come in and learn the way you do it. Cause there's a reason you do it. There's something that you liked about it. There's something that worked. There's some reason. So why add another variable? Once we get on one page and identify the bottlenecks, a lot of times there comes a point where it's like, all right, Vince, I think it's time to move to a different CRM and here's why. But now I can be knowledgeable about it, not just try to sell you because I just tell you that mine's better than yours. Um, I can literally tell you like, you know, every time how we get stuck on these files and they never go out on this day, here's how we could solve it. Much different approach. So I do want to get people into like our format. Um, but again, we learn from you. I mean, me just telling you to move, I'll never learn what, what you're doing. Well, one thing I think that one thing I admire about you is that you actually have like taken Cal Spoon's course. Like you go to all these conferences, you meet with all these different public adjusters with all these different contractors, and you're trying to learn the more that you learn about the industry, even though technically you do something completely different. You're not in construction. You don't, you're not an insurance adjuster or anything like that. Although I know, I know a lot of the girls that work with you, a lot of your, your, your employees are actually licensed adjusters, but I yep. really, I really appreciate the fact that you're really trying to uh, engage and learn about the industry just to make your processes and your service better. Yeah. I mean, the reason I, I mean, we mentioned Cal, the reason I went with him and, you know, I've known him for a while, good friend, him and Melanie, and they're both, it, it, they're both different parts of the equation. The one's very strong and organized. One's very like knowledgeable and, uh, you know, uh, headed sometimes with my buddy Cal. He'll love me for that. But the truth is like, they're very good and they know what they do. They know, you know, they might not be perfect for everybody. They know what they do. But if I can learn it their way, learn from somebody who's doing it right, and then take that and start helping contract other PAs, other people out there with that knowledge, it becomes good. You know, so they have areas they excel at and they have areas that just like that ABCD situation that I was telling you, there's places that we can probably tell them that they could have. And there's places that we learning, we're learning from them. But the idea is invest into your market. A lot of VAs out there, what they do is like you pay them whatever they pay. They pay their employees cheap. They keep the markup. They do whatever. I'm reinvesting. Like Steve Harmon was down here for Xactimate, um, semi-related. But like I invested into having him here for months, training my team and getting us to level three certified people, which you know, there's only there's less than 200 out there. And we're, you know, six are in my office. Um, so it's reinvesting in your people, reinvesting in your industry, attending the events. Um, this RoofCon that we went to, like, you know, I didn't set up there. I just listened in to see, hear problems, hear things. I learned things from every one of you guys, you know, um, and see where we can expose a problem and maybe offer a solution. And how many employees do you have now at Boss Up? We're last count, I'd say 34, 35 uh, gotcha. is where we are. Um, so we've had, you know, I've had over 100 at my call center before. Um, and I think a sweet number is somewhere between that 25 and 35 is kind of our goal. You know, we're kind of there. We're just tuning in. Um, and so what are the different services that you actually do provide? So I know I'm a public adjuster, but I, I, if I'm not mistaken, you also provide the assistant services or just the backup admin services for roofing contractors, restoration yeah. contractors as well. How do you have the whole thing set up on how you could help all the different companies? So uh, on the beginning side, every time it's just setting things up, like getting your business set up. So if I, for example, if you came to me and maybe you're not set up in a CRM or fully set up, it's just getting that set up, that a la carte, that one time kind of just getting things in order um, it, with your CRM, with your social media, with your 
contracts, digitizing them, all that stuff. So we have that on the upfront side. Um, and that's more like a one-time kind of like, hey, I need my contracts digitized. But now you have your ongoing like, okay, I, you and I, or somebody on my team, we would discuss like, what's your process for a lead? A lead comes in, how do you qualify? How do you schedule it? So we would then map that out. And then once you and I agree, instead of like a lot of consultants out there that want to tell you like, here's what you should do. You should ask these questions. You should put it on a calendar. I'm going to do that with you. But when we agree, we're going to say, okay, now that we got that down, let's get her to do it. Now let's talk about, now let's talk about that inspection. Now let's talk about that agreement getting you built. Now let's talk about writing that estimate. So we go through that process with you. The idea is to build a SOP of each process all the way through. So you can control that journey and actually leverage the team. It's very important to get that right. And even us, we're still learning that. I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, it sounds great when we say it, but we're in a learning curve all the time. We're learning from you guys. We're like, oh, that wasn't the best way. There is a better way. You That's know? really interesting though. Cause you're almost acting like a business partner in a way like, Hey, let's figure stuff out what you're doing. I know like when we were having dinner the other night, I was asking you some like deep questions of like, what do you think about this? Cause I've been thinking about separating this and separating that, but I think yeah. that's fascinating. I think that's going to help. Cause I know you've got, I mean, you've been in business for a very long time. You've got the experience, you started businesses, you've closed businesses. I think you've sold businesses. So mm -hmm. you understand how a lot of these things work. And I think it's, it's very helpful for an entrepreneur who is trying to make all these decisions. I, I say it almost yeah. to everybody. There's a GIF out there where it's like this guy yeah. sitting on a couch and he's like going like this. And yeah. I feel like sometimes that's entrepreneur life. Like we don't know really what's going on. We're just like trying all these new things. Yeah. So one of the things I tell someone like, like if you were to come to me and say, Hey, what, how can you help me? And you know, this is funny. Like people know they need help and they put an ad out, need assistant. Right. And they get interviews. And they're like, you, you showed up. Like, nobody did. We're going to hire you. You know, you, you look like you're competent. You, you, you have a car. You got a driver's license. You're good. Um, the issue is the, the number one fault lies. And then people blame like they didn't come back. They didn't do the job. I asked them. They didn't show up. And there's always complaints. The number one problem is nobody really takes time to write out their job description. So this is the same thing with me. Like if I was going to ask you, if you say you need help, I'm going to say, okay, Vince, we're going to work on this. And here's what I need you to do. Write down what you're doing throughout the day. So every hour, let's set a timer. Let's stop. Let's see what you're doing. Let's go ahead and just write it down. Not think about it. Now, let's highlight the things that you hate. Let's highlight the repetitive things. Because rep repetition means that it can be handed off. Because it's something that I could train. Repetition is trainable. You know, one-time things, which is what people try to hand off. It's funny. They do the opposite. They want to hand off that one-time thing. That one-time thing is where the person with the more knowledge is the person to do it because it's the first time like, Hey, this County has these papers messed up and we need this, this, and this. And why would you send an assistant that has no knowledge of like your, your past uh, registrations in for that? Now, if I have to pull a permit every week, like we do for a lot of customers, that's something that's repetitive. Why can't we do that? If it's to, able to be done online. So the job description becomes a key to understanding before you hire. And I think the number one failure for a lot of people, they, they do, they don't do a job description. They just think somebody has a pulse or in here and then they get them to do something. And they come in thinking, um, I'm going to be doing marketing. I'm going to be on Facebook and making graphics. And then you're like, Oh, I need you to like call customers and get data from them and ask them statuses. And they're like, Ooh, I hate the phone. Um, but you never, you never actually wrote that in your job description. You can say you're going to be on the phone 70% of the time. Well, you know? I mean, 
I think also, I mean, number one is, is for me, it was always like, okay, what don't I want to do? What don't I like to do? Let's see if I could pass on to somebody else. But on your website, it says it perfect. Start working on your business and let us work in your business. As the entrepreneur, as the business owner, you should not be doing a lot of the minutia that goes into that goes into scheduling, that goes into just all kinds of stuff. I mean, we could probably name a million yeah. things. The business owner should be going out there and talking to Latif at the conference and talking to uh, the other person and, and connecting and receiving and trying to get referrals from, you know, for me, it's like I'm looking for big time contractors and investors and stuff like that. That's what I should be spending most of my time doing is working on the business, finding a way to grow the business and uh, and just hire the right people and keep hiring too. I mean, I think that's important too. I think what the advantage that that business owners have with the service that you provide is that you can continue to keep growing, continue to keep hiring because you're a one-stop shop. So you've got everybody sort of you need. It's like, okay, Latif, I need somebody for uh, for social media now. I need somebody to build this. I need somebody to answer my phones. I need somebody maybe to make sales calls. As it comes up, we can go to you and you could say, okay, I got this person for that or I can train this person for that. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty. Like, so for example, like you want somebody to post for you, like, you know, we all want that perfect post. That's why we do it. We don't want someone else to do it because they're going to misspell. They're going to not put the right colors. They're going to put the logo in the wrong place, whatever. Right. And they're not going to post at the right time of day. Well, when you post three posts a week for your business, that's three posts. You don't think it's a big deal, but when we take uh, a team of that we have and they're doing posts, they're doing it for 30 companies. So even if it is three posts, it's 90 posts, who's going to get better at doing it? You know, and, but you don't need to use them for that part. You don't need to hire a social media person. You have access to them. Um, and then you have access to somebody who writes Xactimate estimates. If you need someone to maybe copy over or do the sketch, um, you know, and we have a lot of PAs that have us just do the sketch and they want to do the work. Some of us have us do copy over. Some of us have us actually go in and look at their Matterports and start identifying stuff and start working on them, right? Um, the idea is to understand what work should be handed off. Like I like today, if I was to think about your day, just our little experience before this call, not to call you out, but, but like literally we, you and I like, okay, a couple weeks ago, we had to reschedule for whatever reason. Right. And then we talked about this tentative date, but like, and we both said, yes, yes. Back then. Was um, it tentative? And, well, it, yeah, it, it was like you said date, but we, there was no confirmation email or no meeting set up. Right. Okay. So you got done. And you didn't send the meeting. Well, should you be the person sending the meeting or should someone else be taking care of that and following up? I didn't and send then the, it. Oh, man. No, no, you didn't send it. And Get then luckily it was it. Nope, uh, you didn't, man. And then in our chats to today, we had to like shift the meeting by like a few minutes. And then myself, I had to shift the meeting by a few minutes. And then we get on the time and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, let me send you a meeting link. Let me create a link. Let me send another link. Some of these things we can leverage automation. Some of these things we can leverage people. And we have to understand. So if you think about your day, so so Vince here, who's like very good at what he does. So he's doing his claims. That's his hundred hour value where he's talking to adjusters. He's uh, consulting with other adjusters. That's his hundred hour value. He's uh, doing his podcast, educating people out there about things that maybe perhaps they don't know, or maybe just revalidating what they know. Hundred hour value. Vince sending Latif a Zoom meeting. Five hour value. Vince reminding Latif, hey, are we going to be there on time? $5 value. Vince probably going and grabbing his coffee, $5 value. Now, some of those things, there's another factor in there that a lot of people don't, don't really factor in. Sometimes I, maybe I love to walk down to the local cafe to get my coffee. It's my way of kind of like decompressing. 
fair enough. You can do that $5 an hour work. Totally fine. But what you have to do is start identifying that stuff that's below your pay grade. And it's not trying to act, act like special. For a kid out of high school, going and getting your coffee is this $100 an hour work. It's not about you saying I'm better than you. It's just understanding where your values lie. So for, for you know, in, in our office, we have people that do claims. We have people that answer phones. The person who answers phone, her $100 value is answering the phone and qualifying a lead and scheduling. For my girl who sets up people's CRMs, her doing that is her doing $5 an hour work. I had yesterday, one of my, uh, one of my leads was pulling a permit for somebody in Colorado. And I'm like, why are you pulling permits? If I see you pulling a single permit again, we're going to have a problem. I'm like, you're doing work that they can do. Because again, it's different values. And again, they're both valuable. I need my coffee. I need my permit. I need somebody who's got a hundred dollar value and could be my personal chef. Do you have one of those? Mm -hmm. I do. Can you send me a personal chef? I don't know if they got papers, but I can get them here in Mexico. That's for sure. I want a Um, chef. I want a chef. There's a guy that was on. Go ahead. mm I, I know I was going to tell you with the chef thing, what I started doing. So I had at my old house, I had a chef coming in and even teaching my daughter some cooking stuff when she was homeschooling. But I ended up having somebody now once a week, they come in and do their meal prepping for me and leave it. And yeah. that works. It's just was, much easier. I've been thinking about that. There was this guy and, 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 and if we, if we start going again, I'll see if I could find his name who was on the, uh, speaking of Tim Ferriss on his podcast and he was talking about living your rich life. And mm-hmm. he talked about little things that people when you have enough money and not necessarily rich, there's like little things that people want. Like, what is it that you want that if you get to a certain dollar amount that you're a certain income that you're making that you could actually afford? Like there's a lot of people that don't like to pack their suitcase. There's a lot of people that don't like to drive. So you could hire a driver. You'll be surprised that if you hire a driver, it's not as expensive as people think. There's people that don't like to cook. Just hiring a private chef to come once or twice a week to prep all your meals for the week is not as expensive as people think. Yeah. No, it isn't. And, and that's what you got to hire people to do things like me being here in Mexico. One of the things like obviously the VA side, the, the, the boss assistant side, but the opposite side, <clears throat> literally I come here and my friends ask me, Hey, would you live in the States again? And I have properties there. My kids go to school there. I go back and forth, but the truth is like, and this, I don't want to make this sound like a brag, but I want people to hear this. Like literally I don't do my laundry. Somebody does it. I don't clean my house. I mean, I'm a clean person. I clean my house a little, but somebody comes and cleans my house. Um, I don't pump gas. Like if you go to the gas station here, there is still full service. Uh, yesterday I had a guest from Colorado, Demiana, who's working with me and she, um, she ended up, uh, just surprised that somebody outside of Walmart was taking the cart and taking it to the car and then loading it and loading our car for us. And I was like, yeah, this used to happen. If you actually think about it back when we were younger, you know, this was what happened. People did pump your gas. People did take your groceries to the car. Uh, those things. I don't take my trash out. Somebody takes it out for me. I have a puppy. I have to sometimes clean up after, but literally yesterday I had people in my house training my puppy because a price B availability and just, you know, understanding. So it's not about more money. It's about understanding what's important to you. If you want to live the lifestyle you want um, it's uh, there's a book, I forgot what it's called, but it's about reframing the problem. So like if I want to live in a high rise, I did, and I have two kids that need to go to college and I need to pay for it. I did. How do I put these situation together? So instead of trying to figure out like, how am I get more money? This and that, I was like, you know, if I relocate, I could leverage a team in Mexico. I could live the lifestyle I want and I could still provide for them at the level that I want. So I reframe the problem rather than having to, it's not always about making more money. It's not always about getting another contract. Sometimes it's about reframing your problem. Maybe it's about getting rid of that car you don't need. 
Um, you want a driver? There's this beautiful app. Nobody really knows this is a secret, but you go here and it's called Uber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you could have an Uber. Now, I had my car in the shop, which I barely use out here. Somebody drives here for me too. But like when I uh, had it in the shop, I was Ubering every day and I did the math and I was like, you know, honestly, for what I paid for maintenance on my car, I probably could have won six months of Uber. Look at that. You know, and it's just one of those things like, what's your priority? Now, I used to, as a, as a youngster, I love racing cars and modifying them. So as a hobby, if that makes me happy, maybe I can justify it. You know, that maybe that is, makes sense for me to have that fancy car or whatever, right? But priorities, understanding what you do. But I, I've learned handing off things that you don't do is hard. Um, do you know why, like, people don't hand things off, though? You control. know, the number one reason? Just control. Contr- control and fear. It's a fear that they're not going to do it right. Fear right. that they'll po- the fear that they'll post something wrong. Fear that they're going to uh, tell the customer the wrong things. Fear that they're going to somehow cost the contract. Here's the thing: if if my assistant calling Vince today and confirming something risks me getting on the show, for example, then we never had a solid enough relationship. Right. Like you know, people just fear too much, and you have to hand off. And here's the other part: you have to understand they will mess up. Of course. You got to know they'll mess up. And you got to be accepting of that. And instead of putting them on the spot where you need to get into the part of understanding why they messed up and educating them. Because if you want to build a team, it starts with them messing up. They'll get if a professional. You grow, if you want to grow, if you want to grow your business at all, I mean, you can't do it by yourself. It's, it's literally impossible. You have to hire help. And if you're going to hire help, you have to trust in them to do whatever it is that needs to be done. I don't know if you're a big football guy, but when you're watching football and you see QB throwing uh, passes to a receiver, new rookie that comes in or whatever, and he's dropping every damn ball. I mean, that's the thing. He's dropping the ball. Do you just say, get rid of him? Or do they invest time practicing and getting things done? And that's the other thing that people don't understand. Practice, not always a live play. Every day is not Sunday. Every day is not game day. You need to get in the ring and practice, right? So you need to get there and practice. So it's about that call that didn't work out. It's about getting there and saying, hey, let's run some drills. Let's practice. We take it for granted where whenever it happens, it happens. I mean, role-playing how to uh, discuss our ice and water, role-playing how to um, take care of a conflict or situation, how to de-escalate, how to like, how to do a post, whatever it might be, getting that stuff in practice is what's going to get you better. That's the beauty of our team is because we're naturally practicing, even though you might need those three posts, we're posting, you know, I don't want to say every hour, but we're posting a lot throughout the week. So we're going to do good at posting. We're, we're answering calls a lot. You, that one call you're getting super important, but I'm answering calls all day. So I'm probably going to be pretty good at it when your call rolls around, you know? Who's working in your business if you're working in everybody else's business? Um, my team. Uh, one of the, I'll, I'll tell you my selfish reason for creating this business originally was I wanted somebody to do my social media. I wanted someone to answer my calls. I wanted someone to do my bookkeeping. I wanted someone to do build my website. I wanted someone to write my estimates, et cetera, right? So they do the work. Um, and it's great. I leverage them all the time. Sometimes I have to, my team too, helping them understand priorities. Sometimes the boss calls, I call and I say, Hey, I need this file. Then they're dropping everything they're doing and they're running out there, especially the new ones. Cause they're like, Oh no, it's Latifah. We got to like, he pays her paycheck. Let's go do this first. Um, and we go through that exercise a little bit and I train them. I said, no, it's priority. The next question you should ask is, all right, when do you need this file? Cause you know what? I have something I need to do for Vince, my other client. And if you need this right now and Vince's thing can wait till 3 p.m., maybe I can do this. If you need this at the end of the day, and even though Vince's can wait till 3 p.m., but I'm already halfway done, 
maybe I'll finish this and then get to your project. And it's just training them too. And if people don't understand the level that goes into training employees, and that's why we don't scale it. Like where we don't want a thousand companies. It's hard. I mean, building those assistants, I call them boss assistants for a reason. They get better and better at understanding. It's not an easy thing. Training, yeah. training is so important. You know, that when I first started hiring virtual assistants and you start Googling, you start researching and you know, how, what's the best way to do it? How every single blog article or whatever it is that I read, it all talked about whoever it is that you hire. You could do a bunch of things. You could give them assessments and you could do whatever it is, but it all comes down to those first couple of months, first few months when you hire a VA or any kind of assistant and making sure that you train them and you spend the time to do it. Because again, business owners, were just so busy just working in it all, doing what we're doing. And then we say, we don't have time to train the assistant. Well, why did you hire that person? Don't expect that person to be successful mm-hmm. if you're not going to take the time to actually invest that time to train them. And every single blog article, every single thing that I read talked about it is worth its weight in gold. And I even try to tell a lot of the new public adjusters who may not have a ton of claims, who may not have a lot of money yet, who may think that they can't afford to hire somebody to help them with the administration. Even in the beginning, if you feel it's costly, it's going to free up so much more time for you to go yep. out there and get more work and make more money. Yeah. You have to implement what you learn. So we go to these conferences and you don't see, we pick up some tips, but do we implement it? And then how many of us actually bring our staff there? You know, do we bring our admin there to understand and learn? Cause they're the ones that are actually going to do this stuff. We're going there to network. You and I are going to talk and talk about family and bullshit and stuff like that. We're not always talking about, you know, like working. They're the ones attending that seminar, taking that knowledge and be like, you know what? Latisse's business needs this. Vince's business needs this. That's why typically I do travel with the team because I want them to learn because it's more important they have that knowledge than I have that knowledge. I need that high level like, yeah, that CRM works. Yeah, that um, that process works. Yeah, PWI works. Yeah, whatever, right? I need them to really dig into the minutia. Um, and I think it's, a, it's, it's kind of one of those things that you notice in the industry that's lacking. Um, there's not a lot of focus on the office staff. It's more about the salespeople because they're the ones generating revenue. And it's about the CEOs because they're the ones that are spending the revenue. So, um, you know, I I think it's something that you do have to invest in training, invest in uh, showing your team and then re-upping them and keeping them excited and getting to know them. Uh, Managing people is not easy. I've had over 800 employees and I've learned, I've done bad. I've lost people because of my personal like stubbornness um, and maybe my misunderstanding of their situation or my mistreatment of maybe something that was going on. But I've learned to get much better. You know, like everyone at the office is always like, wow, what happened to you? You're like, from three years ago to today, you're so different. I was like, I understood I can't change you. I understood I have to change me, you know, and I could work what, on you and that works. What changed? Um, you know, a couple of things. One call center, there was a lot of like, it was a lot of hustle and sales and, you know, like, so you get caught up in that kind of like go, go, go. And you don't chill and sit back and look. When I open up the box, because one up, thing one thing I like about you, Latif, sorry to interrupt you, is like yeah. you come to these conferences and you're surrounded by your whole staff, which is majority female, and you are just like chilling, man. You're just always yeah. like you come to the parties and stuff like that, and you're at the conferences and you're at the showcase, whatever, and you're just like just chilling, yeah. walking. Around. You look so relaxed. Thanks. Like, okay. <laughs> no, I don't it's know if you get everybody relaxed. fooled, but you know. Yeah, it's control. That's a lot of Botox and stuff. Just makes you look one way. Now. <laughs> but uh, no, I can't really do that. But um, here's the thing. It's it's about, um, for me, a couple of years ago when I transitioned, I found, and we made a lot more money with my call center than I make now, gross revenue, right? And net revenue. I decided to get the piece. I wanted a smaller business where I could get involved. And then when I solve a problem 
Like if there's a problem that comes up for you in your CRM or you with some uh, how to handle a public adjuster client, getting an LOR, getting a DOL, whatever it might be. I think about it like, hey, I'm solving this problem for 20 people, not just you. You happen to bring it to light. But if I could solve it right, I can use this for 20 more people and look like a hero. So my thing became more relaxed that way. And then I learned to trust. And I learned the fact that, you know what, man, sometimes it's just not going to work. You know, the other day, somebody called me and said, hey, this customer is upset. and They're just not happy, et cetera. And they're just not a good fit. We took them on and it was a poor fit. This is my mistake. Me, I'm the worst. Everyone needs to teach me to say no sometimes. I take on that one project where the guy's like, oh, you do PAs and contractors. Yeah. Would you do a hair parlor? I'll be like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, sure, like, we can what is that hair parlor? What does that have to do with this? So I just said, you know what? Learning experience. Let's make sure they're whole. Let's make sure we're good. Let's part. And they were, they were very appreciative. It's just, that's not our niche. You know, that's not what we do. Um, it was one of those like favors, you know, um, but I told the person who was stressing about it, I was like, don't stress about it. Like, it's a learning curve. What did you learn? What could we have done? Like, I could have not brought in a client that doesn't meet our profile. Um, learning to say no is probably a skill that a lot of us salespeople and business owners do not have. And we need to work on it. So I learned to say no, you know. Okay, um, so you, I was I was actually going to get to see if I can break that yeah. answer down a little bit more. So you, yeah, go you, for you, it. You uh, the business you made it a little bit smaller. Uh, was it something in your mindset at all, or was it just like here's what I want to do? Uh, I, I don't know. Was it was it something in the mindset, or was it just uh, learning how to say no and understanding that it's not all about your revenues? Sometimes going to a smaller company, a little bit less revenue is actually a lot less stress too. Yeah. So one was, you know, I think you start with the end in mind, right? So for example, if you're planning a trip to my office here, and let's say you're driving, you're going to put it in Uber, uh, in Google Maps and you're going to put it, maybe you put an Uber, that's a long drive, but you put it in Google Maps and you're going to get directions, right? So you're going to know where your end point is. That's where you start. So I had to start with where's my end? You know, where do I want to be? And work backwards to annually, to quarterly, to whatever. So if you follow the EOS system or anything like that, like the idea is very simple. Like set your quarterly rocks, right? Set your goals and then break it down. But what I, the reason I'm saying that, not to like talk about US or traction, I don't care if you follow it or don't, it's just whatever. But what I see of it is as the owner, as the entrepreneur, as the business person, and not just that, even salespeople, like everyone needs to put their head above like the ground, look above the what's going on and see where they're headed. We're too entrenched in today. So, okay, I lost a customer today. Think about that situation. I lost a customer today. I should be like, what? Why did we lose him? I'm so upset. Like, why on earth would you not do their job? But then if I lift my head above, it's like, wait, this is not the customer we want. He doesn't fit our profile. He shouldn't be, we shouldn't have even brought him in. So now I'm thinking up here instead of thinking down here. And that was a big deal. Um, understanding that changing lifestyles, who you associate with, who you go out with, the amount that you drink, the amount, what you eat working out. I mean, you're a big workout guy. I know that. Um, I think you did the 75 hard thing or something, right? Or did you not? Hell do that? No, I didn't do that. I'm not going, nah, 75. Yeah, I'm not I'm that not going 75 days without having a drink. Hey, Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at about a hundred and I could tell you right now, I have 192 days left before I can drink. I said, I promise 191 days left before I can drink. It's right there on the bottom of my phone. 191 days, right? You're going the whole um, year or something. I said I would go birthday to birthday and it was my personal challenge. You didn't have a I'm drink not, the other night. No, 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 wow. not a single drink. You see me with my Perrier, 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 it gets old. Oh, but I, didn't, I, I didn't even notice, I swear. Yeah, no, I don't make it a thing. Like a lot of people want to publish their things and that's good. If that's what the motivation you need, my I like motivation. I feel like if I post it, it makes me want to do it less. 
Yeah, I work, out, my, I work out every morning. And sometimes I take a photo, but no, 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 I don't. It's, exactly. It's my my, my motivation is my personal target and the promise exactly. I made to my staff and to whatever. And I wanted to tell them my, my speech to them was summarized was I'm going to make a commitment to you guys for this next year where I want to be. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I want you to commit to me. And a kind of like, what would you call it? Like a, a way of kind of signifying it or whatever representation was my not drinking. It wasn't about not drinking. I wasn't. I mean, I drink, but it wasn't like excessive or anything like that, but I just said, I'm going to do it. And it did clear some brain fog and just getting things going and avoided some distractions. So help. You look a lot healthier. Like you Thank look you. before, well, I, I'd say I've noticed definitely over the past few months, few, six months or so, you look a lot healthier. I mean, I'm look, I'm literally staring at the boss up website. I yeah. mean, it's almost like yeah. you're, you're down a good 10, 15 pounds from there. 15 yeah. I lost about 12, 15 pounds in the last like a uh, few, like a month, two months, whatever. And I've been getting more healthy. I've been eating better. And you know, you still have your, I think everything's about balance. You could eat crap, but you got to eat good. Well, you, you could, have to eat crap every once in a while. It makes you feel good. You know I mean? It's exactly. Like, you know, then you know what good is. How, how yeah. do you know good is good if you don't compare to crap? You know? No, I, <laughs> I tell my wife, I said, uh, how's that taste? She's like, eh, it doesn't taste so good. I'm like, then you know, it's healthy. Yep. Yep. No, 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 um, but it's amazing how, I mean, just, it's amazing how that lifestyle changed, like exercise, eating healthy, stuff like that. It's amazing how it can change so much. Um, do you guys use the EOS? Like, do you have that sort of incorporated, like your rocks yeah, and your so, one year, three year, 10 year goals? Yeah. So I actually did the vision stuff. I did the whole EOS thing. I incorporated, but I modified it a little on my side. So did like I. I did it. I did it different for me because I knew what I was working with and how I did it. So I use, um, I use software and I basically create, so on Saturday and Sunday, I, with 35 people, I think about each person. So I say, okay, Vince, and I create like a task for Vince or a couple of tasks for Vince. And then I go, I day, Jim, Bob, Sally, Sam, whatever. Right. I go through my list and I create tasks and I have somebody whose job is to take those tasks and get them done. Now you have your regular weekly stuff. This is my measurables. You know, these are my measurables that I want to see that you attain this week because they have my rock in mind, my, 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 my rock being the end of quarter goal. Right. So I set that goal and I work it backwards because I know the day-to-day ministry, if you try to control everything, that's micromanaging. I want to see that, uh, take 30 people and multiply times three tasks each a week. I mean, that's 90 steps in the right direction. And then do that week after week. Like I know I don't do that before the system. And with the system, we do it. The weekly meetings I do with some um, because everyone's in operations and meeting with you guys too, it's a little harder, but we try to do a lot of video stuff. Um, but we've changed it a little in how we, how we modify. I tailored it to me. Uh, I, I took like anything, you go to a conference, you go to, you read a book, you meet somebody, you take what's good. You take what you can apply, everything else you don't have to necessarily buy into and you'll get value. You know, um, one of the worst insults I've ever been told in my entire life was when I, was I didn't do it. My, it wasn't you. It was when okay. I was running my tennis academy, I had a tennis academy for five years and I'll never forget the, one of the coaches that worked for me, he called me a micromanager. Yeah. And he was, and he was right. Yeah. And micromanaging is hard. It was like, it was like a, cause you sort of tell yourself, oh, I'm going to let them do whatever they want. And when he told me that, and I like, like my whole days, every day, and I'm, and I'm literally like on his court teaching mm-hmm. his kids, telling yep. him what to teach every day. If he's not doing it, I'm like, hey, maybe you could do this. And when he told me that, and he was with me for like three years before he ever even said anything. And when he told me that, I was just like, never again. So yeah. now you could ask my team now. It's just like, no, like do it. Like make the decision. Go ahead. 
Even if yeah. it's not the way I would do it, send that email that way or just, you know, post that post. That's fine. Yeah. If it's not good, then we'll just do it again later. But don't come to me because I, I can't. I can't. We can't be in control of everything. No, you can't. And that's what, that's hard for us. So my team's gotten better about understanding that. And even with the team, there's there's hierarchy, right? So like senior uh, and more uh, manager levels and down. But the thing that is my team overall does well. But then we we start working with a new company and they have their micromanaged part. So we have to get them to shake that. Like I literally, I was, I got off the phone today. Somebody had a claim settlement. So they want to approve every settlement before we say, okay, now here's the thing. The claim settlement, what we were asking for was about 18 grand more. Right. And the approval, now I want you to think about this. The approval was 19 grand, oh. not 18, but I still have been waiting three weeks to get someone to look at a paper and say, go ahead. And I called them up and I said, wait, you are telling me that I got a thousand dollars more than what the amount was for whatever reason. I mean, why is this like, let this person enable this person to do what you want. Don't hire someone only to handicap them, you know, hire them to enable them, like enable them to go make those decisions. And I think that's a big failure for a lot of people, but we've gotten very experienced with it. So we'll work with you and we'll kind of massage you and kind of show you, but like that example is a great one where it's like, Oh, so yeah, let's just wait on 18 grand receivable and the extra thousand I got you. But you know, because you haven't said yes yet. And it's been three weeks, by the way. And you have, <laughs> and you have your, your uh, handful of your staff, they're licensed adjusters, right? Um, they're in progress. So I have people in progress. Cal helped me with that. And so we've started licensing some of them. Uh, not everyone has their papers for the states. The ones that are citizens and stuff are the ones doing it. Uh, my goal is to add more and more licensed uh, public adjusters. Um, I feel like we can help you guys more, help you more on the phones, help you more at the back end. So at PAs, you ask like what we're doing. I mean, we're literally like helping, like make sure that we capture the details, keep the correspondence. We're keeping the push active. So everything moves through, you know, getting in contact with everybody, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. Um, that's helps. our part. It, it helps. Like, like my, my lead assistant who's in charge of all the claims, she's like still in the process. And like, you know, it, we have to be careful. Um, because mm -hmm. if you're the unlicensed practice of public adjusting, it, it they, they could, you know, hit us pretty yeah. hard. So I, she sent one, she sent an email one day where she calls me. She's like, what, you know, it was about an offer. And I'm just like, just send him this, say that it's from me and send this. Yep. And he, his response was like, uh, are you a licensed public adjuster? Are you saying that? And she's like, well, but, and then she's like, she got freaked out and I had to get involved. Yeah. Look, that came from me. She specifically said that don't try to pull this shit off. Right. No, that happens. And, and and they're making it hard. They're putting minds out there for everyone to step on. So you have to get smart about that. That's what we're doing. You can hire a V in the Philippines and she's probably going to step on a mine. We might step on a mine too, to be honest. You don't know. But the thing is that we're going to be more conscious that they're out there and we're going to be working through them because we're going to be knowledgeable about it. Um, oh. It's just something we're learning. You're, I'm looking at, just because I just felt like it, I'm looking at Guadalajara, Mexico. You guys are yeah. far from Texas. I thought you were like right at the border. You're not oh, no, even close it, to it, the border. It's a two-hour flight. It's a two-hour flight. I'm close to part of Ayrtha, basically. Yeah, it's a two-hour flight. Um, it's a little I ways down. That. Why Guadalajara? Um, back then, there was a call center working for me here. Um, for my call center, I came down to kind of train them. And I was supposed to be here for a month. And here I am seven and a half years later. Uh, so just fell in love with the place, love the climate, love the atmosphere. I miss little things about the States. So that's why I'm always back and forth. But for my business, it just made sense. Um, I love Mexico. My wife and yeah. I, we have two places that we love. Actually, they're, they're like kind of related to me, but like, like Mexico and, and Thailand. 
To me, they're yeah, not, really not that different. And the reason why it's really nice people, really great food, and very freaking cheap. Yeah, those things are good. And then the other thing is like lifestyle here, for example, where I live, I tell people at the building I'm in, I'm probably the brokest person in this building. Like literally, <laughs> I, you know, you think Mexico and you have a certain idea, but if I told you right now and I could walk you down to my garage and you would see like Maseratis, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, G-Wagons, all sitting there just collecting dust and whatever that people are driving around. And, you know, it's just amazing that there's a lot. I think a lot of us don't step out of our shell to see that there are better parts. There are bad parts, but I mean, I lived in Chicago and everyone's like, oh my God, that's where the murders are. It's like, no, not in Palatine, Illinois. And Hampshire, Illinois, yeah, in Southside Chicago. So it's like everything else in Mexico too. Yes, it's a very large country. I mean, me to go to King. Yeah. And that, well, those things just have to be logical, certain places. And then at night, wearing gold, walking around. I mean, okay, you're a target. Um, But I mean, people think Mexico is small. I mean, Cancun is a three and a half hour flight from me, you know, a flight. I can get to Dallas sooner than I can get to Cancun. That's, you know, Mexico is big. Mexico's not just big, but if you go from Guadalajara to Baja, California, that's mm-hmm. like another world. You yeah. go from Mexico to Oaxaca, another world. Mexico yeah. is 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 extremely diverse. Yeah, it's diverse. It's beautiful. You get out in the country and it's just an amazing landscape. You know that movie Predator? And when you're growing up, Schwarzenegger, Predator, mm-hmm. that whole forest scene is filmed in Puerto Vallarta. So when you go there, you see like all that area and stuff. It's just like all forest, just nothing but forest. It's just beautiful if you're into that, you know? Um, you go to the other side, you got the Caribbean side, you know? And that's beautiful. You just got to be smart. I mean, too many people come in and and I think we're from the U.S. side, we're at fault too. We come in and we feel like, oh, well, we're Americans. We're special. So we can throw some cash around and get what we want. So we actually interrupt the system and then people say oh you're american great give me extra money let me steal your money like go ahead and flash me your watch it's going to be my watch in a minute um and i think we have to be more reasonable about like when i travel man or even everywhere i am this is the most jewelry i wear i got yep. this in belize this is it oh, i, I mean yeah, that's it no i'm the same you know? i mean every time that we've gone on a, on a on a crazy trip both our moms have just been like oh my god be careful oh my god be careful you're going there you're going to travel there? Why are you going to go mm-hmm. there for? What's the point of going there? Why you would do that? And every time we go to any of these places, it's all one is just safer than the next. Yeah, you got to be smart and just do your things. And you always have to be conscious. I mean, you have the jewelry out, you have your kids late at night. I mean, you don't go walking down an alley you don't know at night <laughs> in the States. Why would you do it in another country? Like, I, have a buddy, I have a buddy of mine, he's Haitian. Uh, him and his wife went back to Haiti uh, to go see their family and they got robbed. Yeah. Because they had their Louis Vuitton bags, his fat watch, his cell yeah. phone out, all this Gucci glasses and all these things. I'm like, bro, why do you think you got robbed, man? Yeah. I mean, if you want a boss up shirt, I'll give it to you. Like, I, I don't want <laughs> that's you know how many all I times got. I've been robbed around the country. Not a single once. You know why? Because I'm usually dressed like uh, just like a bum anyway. Just I think it's better right? that way. Yeah, me I too. To, I, you got to enjoy it. I want to bring something up. Do you know yeah. Dan Sullivan? Dan Sullivan. That sounds very familiar. Who is that? Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan is a creator of Strategic Coach. Okay. I just joined their coaching program, and it's pretty cool. When you sign up for the coaching program, check it out. Send, huh? I'm gonna show you right I'll now. Check it out. They send you a whole like uh, they send you like a whole box of all these mm-hmm. books that Dan Sullivan has written, and they're like little books like this, like just little ones. Okay. Uh, one one thing that really struck me pretty hard was I just finished this one. It's called the 25 Year Framework. Yeah. And what he does is he just has. His goal is 25 years away, his goals. Yeah. 
25 year goals. And what does that do? It relieves pressure. Yes. Yeah. You having to do everything now, 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 now. And I read this thing and I'm just like, it's true. So he tells you uh, what he starts with the. I guess I'm reading all these books so that when I go there for the first thing, like you'll already sort of understand the whole system. And he basically tells you, you know, what are some of the biggest, 10 biggest accomplishments you've had over the last 10 years? You start to think about some of those accomplishments. And then he asks you, well, how long did those take you to accomplish? Yeah. Once, a couple of years or whatever. So what's your rush? You know, yeah. what's, what's the rush about building this empire that you're trying to build? What's the rush about, I don't know, getting that deal or, or making or hitting that mark? Like you're going to get there. You're going to get there as long as you're moving forward. For most people, the rush is that they, um, so it's like, I've seen this in my own office, having employees, you give somebody a raise. I have people in my office that from the day they started to today are making three times what they made, but sometimes they'll still struggle for money. And I'll be like, you've also increased your expenses by three times. Mm -hmm. And now your rushes are bigger because the smaller place is more understanding. Your more expensive places like, Hey, we'll kick you out tomorrow. Right. You got to pay your mortgage. You got to pay your rent. Um, I think understanding, I think the richest man in Babylon, that book to read is very important for people to understand how much they should save. I mean, it's a very simple old book, right? But we started a book club in our office uh, a couple months back, actually. It took me a while to do it, but literally, and I tell them, go to YouTube, do summaries. But now they've been understanding and kind of learning, but I think it's teaching them stuff. Um, you should check out this guy too, Donald Miller. Okay. Uh, I think you bought a story brand book, but this is business made simple. Amazing. Like, I just love his work. I don't know why he just resonates with me. I like it business wise, marketing wise. Very cool. Um, I have another book that I would highly suggest you have, you know, the baby and what have you, I'm going to tell you, this is a book that is not, this is not a book. There's a workbook. If you would, it's i uh, I'll send you the link, but it's called for you on um, Amazon. You can get it. It's basically like a diary and it's literally like, okay, so tell us about like where you're born, et cetera. Now tell me about your school years and ask you a bunch of questions. Who's your best friend? Who was your first kiss? What was the one thing you got away with that you like, you know, regretted that you should have apologized for whatever you go through stuff. And then it goes up to teenage years. Then you're driving, like how that went, your college years, your high school years. Like it goes through this whole thing. It's like a book that you leave behind for people to know dad, to know mom, to know grandpa, whatever. Um, very interesting thing, but two sides of it. That's got to be an interesting leave. practice just to. Oh, exactly. So you that's got to be so, funky. So what, one is you're leaving it behind for your children, which is like something they're going to have and their children and whoever down the road. Right. So they get to know who was this guy, but also you're, you're, you yourself are revisiting things and it puts yeah. so much stuff in perspective. You're like, Oh man, I, I didn't even remember that. Like, like, and now you're like, wow, like, yeah, there was this time that, yeah, this happened. It's like, wow, I, I survived that. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, that's got to be an interesting little practice of going through all that stuff and all of a sudden things start to come up. Yeah, I go through like a dozen pages every few days and, you know, I'll fill it in and sometimes I don't touch it for a week or two, you know, and, but my idea is it's there. I don't think we take time to do it. Um, you know, it's kind of cool practice. We're having our 20-year high school reunion. Uh, it's this huh? year. And my buddy's like, hey, they started a chat. They started a WhatsApp chat. And my buddy was was like, you know, he was kind of like played. He's like middle linebacker on the football team. He was like, you know, like a cool guy. And I'm like, I'm like, Ian, like my high school days were not as fun as yours. <laughs> as yours. You know, <laughs> I said, you realize that from the day I started high school, I couldn't wait 
to be done yeah. with high school. Like I couldn't wait. He's yeah. like, yeah, but come on. How are you, how do you say that? High school was such a great time. And he's like, this guy's on the chat and this guy's on the chat. And I'm like, I hated those guys. Those guys yep. used to make fun of me all the time. He's like, what? Yeah. Are you serious? I had no idea. I'm like, you forgot that you used to make fun of me like crazy too. Not until like <laughs> junior, <too>. senior <laughs> year, you know? So yeah, that's no. that. It happens. I had my high school reunion and my high school, I moved in high school to a all white community town of about 1700 people, not familiar with colored people of any sort. I faced racism every single day. I got in a fight my first day, that's my first day at school. I got in a fight and I had probably gotten into maybe two fights in my entire life to this point. Like I used to go to martial arts and all that stuff, but those fights were different. Like I'm not in like a fight fight and no confrontation. So after that, I got into dozens, if not hundreds of fights. Um, I had people bring knives to school to try to harm me. I had people try to run my car off when I started driving off the road. I had people try to vandalize my property, my home, my, my car, my parents' home, et cetera. So what I went part through of the country stuff. was this, where were you? Illinois. I was in Hampshire, Illinois. Illinois is not. I mean, uh, what's his name? David Goggins came up in Illinois and he, mm -hmm. he said the racism was really bad. Yeah. So, but the thing is that when I reminisce and I look back, I did make some great friends. I did have some good memories. Now in perspective, going through it, it was rough. Um, but again, I think it's about your mindset. I don't like to do the victim mentality thing. I like to go with like what was good and what I learned. And it forced me to learn stuff. You know, when I got older and bigger, I protected young kids that had the similar problems because they were overweight or they were, uh, you know, they were that weird kid that people didn't like. Like I was the one, like when someone was picking on him, I was the one coming up telling him, get out of here. Like just quit picking on this kid, you know? I think there's a so, reason why some of the most successful people were like, you know, the nerds or whatever it is, you know, because they had to go through some different stuff growing up that, I mean, I was 4'11", my freshman year of high school. Yeah. That's like, pretty down there. Yeah. Yeah. And then yep. imagine I was already a freshman, all boys school too. So yeah. it was, it wasn't fun. Yeah, that, uh, that, that doesn't sound fun at all right there. You could have just started with all boys and we could have just said not fun. Nah, actually, you know what? Like you said, though, like all my friends that I have now, which they're all coming over actually this weekend because they're all coming to Tampa to watch the Dolphins yep. play the Bucks. Uh, I mean, most of them are from my high school. So it's funny how that Very works. Cool. Yeah. So uh, what did I want to talk about? Um, is the majority of the clients, to try to get back to business here, yeah. is the majority of your clients uh, adjusters or is it a mix of uh, contractors and adjusters? No, we're, we're right now probably about 80% we're contractors, 20% we're adjusters. Um, and because we've been growing. So we started with copyovers and then sketches and then we started seeing their process. What I love about adjusters, I think you guys actually have a very simple process. Um, it's just that we complicate it. What I mean by that is like, okay, so if you take a new client that you talk to and if you control their journey, so like, for example, like, hey, step one, we're going to send these documents and make sure they're done. Step two, we're going to submit these documents. Step three, we're going to follow up. If we can take it linear, it works perfect. It so is you can draw it. Yeah, it if is. you draw it out, it's perfect. Now you guys don't have those variables of production crews and material orders and none of that. You don't even have that problem of chasing their money afterwards. And you don't have the salespeople to deal with that are the, you know, they're getting you money, but they're the, they're the ones that promise things like, oh yeah, and I'll wash your car for you and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, wait, what did my salesman say? You don't have that problem. So honestly, I think it's very simple. The problem is, and why people think that no one can do it is because when things get out of control, that's where you have to step in to get them in control, right? 
And people let those things get out of control. But if you actually were to do what you're supposed to upfront and do everything you're supposed to, I, I always use the Uber model. I order an Uber. Hey, five, Latif's got a five-star rating. The driver's got a 4.8. 4. Hey, he's on the way. He's in this car. He's going to arrive. Even things like I might not like, like, for example, you need to wear your mask. Do you agree? You know? And then he's, he's here now. Get downstairs. He'll wait two minutes for you. Otherwise, he's leaving and you're going to get charged. You know, they control that experience and we just accept it because it's the way it is. And people are like, well, yeah, but my business is different. It's like, no, it's not. You just never organize it to actually do the same thing. Hey guys, if you don't enter at this point, just so you know, you're still going to get charged. Hey guys, here's what I need from you here. Hey, this is what's happening. You might not like it, but this is what has to happen. We don't do that same thing. And you can actually control that journey, you know, and after it's over, what do we do? What does Uber do? Like, how was your trip? Would you refer a friend? Here's a break. I mean, same thing that we can do. We just never model it. Instead, we're hopping around. And that's why we're going to be the taxi service when somebody figures out the Uber and you're going to be gone. There's no yellow cabs. You know, I mean, they're not there. I'm trying to extend that process now to any of the new guys or new girls that are hire. Uh, our process behind the scenes, as far as the follow-up process, is pretty much the same. I know you probably know the process very well. It's really not that much different than what Cal does. Cal's a little yeah. bit more aggressive with his stuff. I try to give the insurance company a little bit of a chance, but yeah. it's the same same concept uh, where you just go and you call, you get all the deadlines and everything. But I'm trying to take that a step further and see if I could try to put together a process for like inspecting damage. Like you walk into yep. the house, uh, is a customer calls you for uh, a leak underneath the underneath the sink. You're going, you're inspecting, you're checking to see if the floor is, uh, you know, attached to the cabinet. Does that floor go throughout the entire house? You're looking at the ceiling for any other damage. You're looking here, you're looking there. And I would like to try to make like a video of just like a process of what you do for all the new people that come yep. in so they have an understanding of what to look for. But the, yeah. the, you talk about that, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F type of process. Everything does have a process. You just got to like actually break it down into its simplest form so i'll share with you later like a sop on some something that we do but i started doing this like you know people talk sops or whatever but literally i have a library of a few hundred at this point and what i do is i create so so the beginning is you know okay what what what's what are we doing here so for example inspecting a minor leak i don't have this one but i'll just say like okay and it lists like what's the goal the goal is to properly inspect the leak and not have to go return okay um, what do you need to have before? You need to have these tools or whatever, right? And then where would this be done? When would this be done? Approximate time it should take. And then it goes into the details. So you have your written version and you have your video version and you keep it out there. And I found a great way of doing these and um, actually documenting it and having it available. Because, And the other thing to understand like, um, is people speak different languages, right? And, and I don't mean like Spanish, English, and whatever. I mean, we speak different even in the same language. I mean, anyone who's been in a relationship understands languages are different. The five love languages book, right? Um, but for business, maybe you don't accept video. Maybe you thought video was it. I made this beautiful video. Let's see if you can follow it. I'm like, dude, I'm not watching your video. Checklist. You know, checklist. Okay, maybe I don't like checklists. I want more explanation. Video is good for me. Manual. Maybe I want manuals. So what you do is you kind of create it in different formats and you put it out there. And that's the thing. And okay, that's really hard to do, Latif. I don't have time to do it. Okay, well, which one do you like doing? I like doing the video. Cool. You do the video and have her make a checklist off of it. Or you like doing checklists. Okay, you do the checklist. Let's hire someone to go out there and make a video. I mean, it's easy to do. It's when we go into the lane that we shouldn't, that it's hard. Like, oh, I got one guy who will refilm his video 73 times. And I'm like, dude, just 
you know everything, right? And you like writing it down. Write it down and have someone else make the video. Be done with it. I have a secret. We have a free ebook that we give give out. You know what the ebook is? It's just my first five YouTube videos. Awesome. And you know, um, there's a saying that I will say that you should always share with everybody. And this is a saying that I think everyone listening, everybody everywhere should know whether you use VAs, business, whatever. But this is a model for me in life. Done is better than perfect when perfect isn't done, right? And it's very important that like sometimes like your SOP, don't sit there and try to make it perfect. Don't, your project, whatever you're doing, sometimes just get it done and perfection can come later. Perfection is going to stop you from completion. And perfection is another word for procrastination. Um, you have to learn to get things done and then table them up to make them better as you go. You told me, uh, that. Just something you told you me that the other night. Yeah. It's just something you have God, to do, you know, and it's just got to record my video. Gotta have. Gotta, See, gotta I think you might have, I think you might have been having a drink that night. So you might not. Remember. I remember. <laughs> no, no, you told, I was telling you how I still have to record my videos that I've tried twice and I haven't finished it yet. Cause I didn't like it. Yeah. And that's what you told me. That was your response. Yeah, and I, I'm the most guilty of this. I, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. So I never finished stuff. So I'm a procrastinator due to my perfectionism, not a procrastinator due to my fear, but due to my perfectionism. So what do you do? Burn through it, get it done, and then go back and fix them up. You know, it's not a big deal, but burn through it. Otherwise, you get stuck on that. Oh, I'm going to make, I, you know how many CRMs I get into and I get stuck with everybody just entering their lead. And we go through that process and then they stop because they give up and then they come back and we start the lead again. Then they stop and then they come back and they get started the lead again. I'm like, dude, we never even got to the inspection. We never got to the production. We never got to the claim. We never got to the closing, like filing your warranty. We haven't done that. Um, you need to just burn through, come back, burn through again. It's like combing over, you know, like you comb through once, you comb through again. You're going to get it better and better every time. But if you only comb the front, not oh, going to be tell, I tell my staff, I'm like, because I'm the same way. I'm like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, just make mistakes. It's fine. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? There really isn't nothing that, that could be so bad that it's just going to no. fall to the ground. No. Just go try and, I'm and okay. make mistakes. I, I've gotten better with accepting mistakes and I am difficult with that. I, I would be the first to admit it, but I'll say this. If you're accountable for your mistake, I'll be good. You know, tell me what you did. And then also tell me what you would have done different. You know, understand the problem. It's, it happened. It, things happen. Like accept it, admit it, and state what you're going to do different. And let's go over it and let's fix it. You know, it's not a big deal. But if you want to deny it, if you want, this is where the old Latif comes back. You want to say it wasn't me, it was them. Like, so boss up, one of the big things for me is like, it's not this, it's not Vince, Vince, Vince. Vince might be a horrible boss, but here, what could I have done? I guess Vince needs a message. Like, here's the thing. Well, he just needs to know every day what we're doing. Okay, so how could you solve that? Uh, I could send him a message in the morning about what I plan to do and if he needs anything. Okay, so you yeah. did have some control. You did have some control. Vince can be a bad boss. Okay, fair enough. But you could have controlled that part. Take yeah, there ownership. are some. Yeah, there are some extremes where things happen, but majority of those don't exist. I'm gonna be honest. Like a lot of it is, what could I do to control the situation? You yeah, know, it's, take it's taking it's taking ownership. Uh, Jocko Willing talks about that all the time. I mean, it exactly. is. And even if my even if my staff makes mistakes that I know they probably shouldn't have, it's partially my fault for not maybe training them enough, maybe not telling them. So, it's always my fault. That that that's something that's very good about you. And I'll tell you, I'm the same way. I will accept my portion of the blame right away. Now, oh, yeah. I, I I don't have to make a big deal, but I will say, okay, here's where I'm at fault. Now, one thing, again, going back to languages, sometimes I make it very short because I'm so accepting, I'll accept it fast. And I don't sit there and do the big like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I'm sorry, da-da-da. And some people need to hear that. That's our language. We talked about that with that uh, app that I was talking about, the crystal nose or whatever. But it's the idea is like, 
you know, sometimes you have to also stop yourself and be like, I guess they need to hear it more. They really need me to like express it more to them to understand that I truly understand. Some right. people need that. I, I'm very blunt. I'm like, Vince, that was my fault. I dropped the ball. So here's what we're going to do. And you're like, where's my apology? And I'm like, that was it. Right. That's how, that's my apology. Your version of apology is, hey, Vince, I really messed up. I truly apologize. I hope you can forgive me. And that's okay. I just need to know that about you. But the problem is like, you got to learn that side too, you know? Well, I mean, we were talking about at dinner, we were talking about all the different personalities. I give all my staff a uh, personality test. We do culture index and we do strength finder. You do the crystal nose or whatever. Yep. Uh, you know, whatever it is, it's always good to have an understanding of sort of what makes your staff tick. You know, what, yeah. what are some of the things they like? What are some of the things they don't like? One of the most fascinating things to me was depending, you're not, was, was the different personalities and you could find somebody for almost every role. So that person mm-hmm. that you, that your sales guy is not going to be happy working behind a desk. No, your person in your warehouse who enjoys his time in his warehouse to himself doing whatever he's doing is not going to want to go out door to door making sales. No, but that doesn't mean you can't find that perfect personality for door to door, that perfect personality for yep. the warehouse and that perfect personality for behind the desk. Everybody's got like their own things. And traction. One of the things they talk about, and we've done this for a while and the personality tests lead to it. It's like, maybe they're not in the right position. Oh yeah. You know, and I've learned that after a certain amount of time you invest into somebody, you're better off and continue to invest in them than you are to hit the reset. There are times you have to just let them go. I, I do believe that too, but I think a lot of times reinvesting with them, understanding, retraining them is good. But now if the same thing is repeating, the same problem is repeating, whatever it might be, then maybe you need to be, ask yourself honestly and say, maybe I'm being emotional because I consider them a friend and I do need to remove that, remove that for the better of my company. Um, well, I think that's so, where the core values come into play. So mm-hmm. like if you've got somebody who still is representing the core values of your company, but they're just not being successful or they're upset for some reason, then probably it's not that that's not the right person. That's just not the right person for that position. But if you've yeah. got somebody who's you know completely not following any of your core values, then that's when you might have to hit the reset button. I did that exact test. Um, and what I did was I did a one through five for every employee and we rated them. And I had all the managers do the ones that they encounter because not everyone works with everybody. And I looked at the average and it was a consistent three people. And there was one person in particular that came up that has been with me for a while and their numbers scored low. So I had to be honest and straight with myself. And I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. This is the first time we're doing this core value test or whatever. I'm going to create a 45 day kind of curriculum and see if she can be on target. And if she does rise and we have a different opinion after 45 days, fair enough. Maybe it was just me. But at that point, I have to face the truth that no longer how long we were friends. It's like this, Vince. Hey, you worked with me for a lot of years. I love you. Here's the deal. Your boss is a dick. He's going to fire you now. But I'll go have a drink with you after, after April, of course. But I'll go have a drink with you after <laughs> and talk about how shitty your boss is. But I'm going to fire you right now. You know? And so, I, I mean, you have to learn to separate the two. If we're friends, then we're friends. You know, my friendship should not be contingent on you working for me. Um, that's just what it is. Do they get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. Do you have your staff read traction? Yeah, well, I had them read parts of it. So um, I haven't really pushed that as much. I, I realized this a few years back. I, I had people read a lot of Grant Cardone stuff, right, and my call center side. And unbeknownst to me, what really happened was I ended up promoting more of my guys who were like the hustlers and the swindlers, if you would, to go out and open up their competing call center next door to me. Right. 
I was trying to get him to get more leads and they're sitting here trying to become my competitor. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. And Grant's like, are you working for somebody? Why are you working for somebody? Leave your boss, go over there. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you have to figure out the content you want to give them. It's not always the same content. I'm sorry. And I, I know, hey, they could go find it. It's available. But the content I need to feed you is different than the content that some people feed. And, right. you know, you got to understand that um, and see from there. Uh, one of my first jobs, uh, I worked for MetLife. Uh, I had my uh, insurance license. I had my uh, Series 6, 63, 7, all that stuff, right? Doing the mutual funds or whatever. But while I worked there, I, there was things that I hated. And if you ever worked in a corporate environment, there's things that you realize that you just were like, why? Like, why is there a Wednesday meeting? Why do they keep repeating themselves? Why do I have to turn in this stupid chart? Why, why, why? So I had all these things. And that was when I was sitting on this side of the table. Now sitting on this side of the table, I've started understanding that. And the reason I'm bringing that up is like when you mentioned the self-assessment, a lot of people just laugh when you say disk test or personality test. These companies that have billions of dollars of research, but like MetLife has spent thousands, millions of dollars to understand people and how to make them work. If you can just take something they're doing and instead of having to spend thousands and learn it and just say, I can accept that they did their research and let me take it and apply it here. You're fast forwarding yourself. And I was the naysayer, you know, like we don't need a weekly meeting. We don't need to keep repeating that same thing every week. Yeah, you do. Cause it's not for everyone. What you realize is, there's four people hidden in that room that don't haven't heard it yet. And there's four people that came back from vacation that don't remember it yet. So you're going to continue doing this. It's just a process. And if you follow it, it works. Um, instead, we're like, we can do it different. And it's like, uh, some things you could actually learn from. <laughs> I, had a, I had a buddy of mine. Uh, he came visit the just uh, two nights ago, and he's up there. He's moved up uh, uh, pretty high in the corporate ladder uh, for Mass Tech. And, you know, he was giving me some really good advice about some of the stuff that they do. And he's out there. He's got like, he's like in this management role where he's got all these managers under him and all these employees and this and that. And we were talking about my business and what to do. And on one of the things we were talking about, I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be like corporate America. And he's like, he looks at me, he's just like, dude, you're a corporation. That's what you're becoming or whatever it is. And if you're going to have, you need to have policies, you have procedures, you have all these things. You need to have your meetings where you repeat the same shit every time. You need to have that Wednesday meeting because that's the only way you're going to keep people. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess it makes sense. hundred percent. There's a, there's an author. He actually got in some trouble or something way back when, but his name was Wade Cook. I don't know if you remember this guy, but he was doing a lot of real estate stuff and a lot of uh, investment stuff. But I went to one of his seminars years ago. And one line that I, he said that I loved was like, you know, he, he had this video about his house, his Ferrari being delivered, this truck pulling up in his cul sack that could barely fit and all his neighbors out looking and, you know, his his trophy wife and whatever. Like, he has this whole video and then he turns it off and starts talking about it. And he's like, okay, a lot of you guys want to do what I do, right? And he's and everyone's like, yeah, I want to do what this guy does. Like, of course, I want to do what this guy does. Just like, you know, we look at somebody, like, I want to do what he does and, and do what I do. And if you want to do what I do, do what I do. Right. And one, one of those things you understand from that is like, if you want to be that company that whichever company it is, that's your model, right? That corporate America company, whatever, then you are going to have to do things they do. I'm not saying you have to do everything, but start learning from them instead of like trying to figure out some different way of getting there. Um, everybody in this industry has probably climbed a ladder. And I, I use this example in my consults when I have a consult, I tell them, okay, there's rungs on a ladder. Once in a while, you might skip a rung, but you're not skipping two. Right. And you have to go up that ladder. The problem for us is we see the top of the roof, and that's where we want to be. I want to be where, where this company is. I want to be where this big adjuster is. I want to be where this big contractor is. I want to get there. 
but you're not willing to take the steps that that person took to get there. And you got to understand those steps got to be taken. I mean, you might take them faster than me. You might even skip one here and there, but you're not just going from the bottom rung to the top. It's not happening. 25 years, man. You got 25 years to do it. No big deal. 25 years to do it. Step by step by step. You don't have to skip I can reduce steps. this to 12 if you go to business made simple. <laughs> but funny, that's 12. Everybody's still 12, 25. Everybody thinks that they have to do it now, now, now. It's like, chill out. It'll get done. You know that saying, easy come, easy go? It's kind of like the same thing. Easy build, um, you're going to rebuild. Like, you know what? If you build it fast, the truth is you're probably going to end up rebuilding Right. I, I think that's slow. And I'm not saying go slow. You don't have to plan 25 years, but I think it's a methodical kind of laying your foundation properly. Yeah, three months um, at a time. You're moving forward yeah. three months at yeah. a time, you know? Yeah. You got three steps forward, two steps back, whatever it might be. Right. So you figure out your ratio and you say, hey, I'm going to build up. Then I'm going to go backwards and rebuild. Then I'm going to go build up. I'm going to go backwards and rebuild. Why do you have to keep going backwards? Because you have to solidify that foundation. You can't just keep adding on to, for example, if no one answers your phones right now, well, that's not a huge problem today because we get like, you know, a dozen calls a week. Okay. Right. But when I add two more salesmen, now I'm at 36 calls. When I add 10 more, I'm going up at 120 calls now. So now my little problem is now a huge problem. You have to take that step back and you have to visit what the problems are. And even if you're not going to do anything with them right now, you got to throw them up on some sort of visible board or radar so you can start getting back to them later. So... One thing I want to sort of finish with, entrepreneurs, we're very forward-thinking individuals. We're always sort of looking ahead. As much as we try to stay in the present, you know, obviously you have to stay in the present. But, you know, that's we're always like, you know, looking yeah. ahead. So I'm going to ask you a question. And sure. again, it, it comes from Dan Sullivan. As you can see, I've been reading a lot of his books here lately. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to just answer it the best you can. It's a very interesting question. Sure. It's going to make you think. Yeah, I love it. Latif. Yes. We were having this discussion three years from today. And you were looking back over those three years. What has to have happened in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy about your progress? For me, um, I literally want to be able to, so professionally, starting with that, I want to be able to have my business running much more organized and much more efficient without my input. It's gotten great so far. My goal for three years, uh, honestly, I could tell you is that I'll have uh, two additional offices and my job will be having a podcast like you and talking to people and being Vince and not working in my business right. and consulting. And, you know, you paying like you're paying Dan Sullivan, you paying to show up to me to learn. Like, that's where I want to be in three years. Now, maybe it's going to take me 25, but three years is my goal is to work myself out of the business where that day to day stuff goes away. Our processes are mapped. Something I've seen happen over the last three years live because I've had people working for me for seven years that are in my business today. Um, I've seen people grow up from the girl that couldn't answer a phone to the girl that'll literally be like, Vince, be quiet. Let me tell you what you need to do. That's awesome. And I want to see more of those protégés build and them build bigger behind me. Like it's really important to me to see that team grow. Um, so for per, per, uh, professionally, personally, part of that is related because these people have become family to me. I want to see these young ladies and young guys. We have some like develop into successful career or like, like they don't have to, own, they can own their own career. They can move move on. And I would love for them to build within us. You know, we're giving them opportunities to build with us. Family, I want to see my kids graduate and well. I don't want to be a grandpa for a while. Um, although I'm, you know, 22 and 20. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> other than that, man, uh, healthy, healthy, doing well, not stressed. That's important. You know, everything else is extra. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah. You and I are kind of alike with all that stuff. Your three-year pro uh, professional goals are not that much different than mine, so. 
yeah, we got to shoot for it. You know, you shoot for the stars, you, you hit the moon type of thing, like whatever it might be, but you, you got to look at those things and see them there. Um, it's just, and partnering up with the right people. I, I learned with my call center, I had thousands of customers and the truth is I probably knew a few dozen of them and I could relate with them. Everyone else, it was that fake, like, Hey, Vince, you know, right. um, which and is why I, want, I enjoyed the conversation we had at dinner when we were really getting to know each other, be way beyond exactly. business, way beyond anything else. It's like, oh, all right, let this is who I really am. I want my circle. So I, if I was to add one more thing that professionally, I want my circle to be tight of these key five to fifteen people that we're just helping each other grow. Like I, I think agree. that's just key, you know, helping each other grow, helping ourselves grow, and the people under us all grow. That would be awesome. Latif, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. Pleasure. You're the man. And um, and that's it. We're done. Thank you.